You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. We're kind of continuing this series that we're, we're on. Let me get there. Back. We called it Back to the Basics. And I felt like the Lord kind of wanted to speak to us about some basic things, but bring us some new revelation about things that if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard probably over and over again, and you might have forgotten, you might have misheard it, you might have misunderstood it, you might have been mistaught by someone as they were growing up trying to do the best that they could do. So we're just going to the Word and kind of going back to some basic things. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about 1 John 4.19, where it says that we love God because he loved us first. We love God because he loved us first. And so we started this by talking about God loves you. God loves you. The, the, the overall, the number one, the most important thing that you need to focus on and remember is that God loves you. Remember John 3.16, that we have everything the only scripture that non-Christian people can memorize because it's all over the world. For God so loved the world. And because he loved you, because he loved the world, he sent his son to die for you. Not that you can be chastised, not that you can be condemned, but that you can be saved. And last week we talked about since I know God's love, since I've received God's love, now how do I love God? What does that look like? We talked about that last week. And today, going back to the basics, I want to talk about church. I want to talk about church. Now, this message is more so for the people who aren't here. I'm preaching to the empty seats because you're at church today. But I also want to give you some benefits to remind you of the importance of church. That since you are here today, that there are benefits and there are blessings that God wants to bestow upon you, that God wants to help you because you're in the house of God. So why church? Why should I go to church? Well, it appears and it seems that it's God's only plan on how to get his message out. It's his only way, it's his only plan that he's using on this earth to unify the Christian believers and to also get this message out to the community. There's not like in the old days, just this temple in Jerusalem that we all have to travel to, to go, to celebrate, to worship, to pray to God. There are now churches everywhere. God doesn't have another plan. So he's empowering people. He's using his tool, his creation, to help influence the church. There was a study recently in the New York Times well, they didn't do the study. They were just interviewing these scientists where the scientists have come out and said that they're believed to be, I can't even believe this number, 20 quadrillion ants on the earth. 20 quadrillion ants on the earth. Now, that's 20 with 15 zeros after it. This study says that scientists believe that ants outnumber humans 2.5 million ants to every one human. If the ants all decided one day, you know what, we're taking over, I get bit by one ant. 
If you're out in the yard and like five ants get on your feet, you're jumping around, you're hooping and hollering, you're ripping off clothes, you're jumping in the pool. 2.5 million ants to every one human. And scientists say in that article that they have given a conservative estimation that 20 quadrillion ants is a conservative estimation because they haven't been able to see ants all over, obviously, because they're under the ground. So there could be more, 20 quadrillion ants that we, here in America at least, are like those ants. We have churches everywhere. You can literally walk out of this building and you can see two or three churches just on this corner. In this town of Williston, not that big of a town compared to other towns in this state and in this nation, how many churches do we think are just in this area? 10, 15, 20? How many? Over 30, just in this area. We're like the ants. We're taking over. It's God's plan to plant churches all over the place because that is his purpose, that is his goal, that is his heart for the opportunity to get the message out to those who will go. I understand as a pastor that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I understand that this church is not everybody's cup of tea. And so God has opened up the doors and created and allowed other pastors and other ministers and other people to open churches so that people have the opportunity to go to the church that they're encouraged and inspired to go to. We don't have just one church per city, per state, per nation. There are churches everywhere, 20 quadrillion We have people in other nations that aren't allowed to have church services, and they're meeting in caves, they're meeting in houses, they're meeting in prisons. I remember there was a story that we heard at CFNI, and maybe you've heard a story similar. I don't remember what nation it was in, China, I believe, if I'm remembering the story right, it just came to memory, but this man got sentenced to jail because he believed in God, he was pastoring, he was doing something in regards to Christianity, and it was outlawed, and he got sent to some type of jail. And he always volunteered to clean the bathrooms and clean the toilets. And the reason he did is because the person over the jail hated the Bible, hated God so much Poor baby. (laughs) Poor little buddy. (laughs) I heard that. He He hated Christianity so much that when he would go to the bathroom, he would use pages of the Bible as toilet paper. And this guy found out about it, and he volunteered to clean the bathrooms because as he cleaned the toilets, he would find pages of the Bible. He'd clean them up and he would take them to his jail cell and he would read his Bible. Praise God that we're in America. And each and every one of us probably has, if we go home and count, two, three, four, five Bibles that we can grab on our phones. 20 quadrillion (laughs) Bibles, some of us. Now you can have one app and you can have all the 
Bible verses in 50 different flavors, however you wanted it. There are churches all over the world that God has built. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, it says, And he, talking about God, put all things under his, talking about Jesus' feet, and gave Jesus, look, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God decided to place Jesus over the church. He decided, think how busy Jesus is. There's probably a lot going on in Jesus' life up in heaven. He's the authority above heaven, on earth, and under the earth. He has a name that resonates throughout all of eternity. He's walking around. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's doing all these things. got a lot on his plate, waiting on God to tell him to go get his church. And on top of that, God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you the CEO and the head of the church of the earth. So obviously, the church has to be pretty important if God, he didn't put Michael the archangel. He didn't put another group of angels. He didn't put the disciples once they went up to heaven over the church. He put his son, his one and only son, over the church. So obviously, church is very important to God, so it should be important to us. And in, I don't have it up there, Charnita, but I'm just going to read it, and you've probably heard this before, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Jesus in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who brings glad tidings of good things. How are people going to hear if there aren't preachers sent by who? By God, the head of the church, to different places to preach. And what are they preaching? Condemnation, sin, you're evil, you're going to hell. No, it says how great are those who bring Good tidings and good news that Christ died for your sins, that you don't have to live in that same misery, that same addiction. You don't have to live in that same struggle that Jesus came and he that the sun sets free is free indeed. That we have come as preachers to preach good news and good tidings. You're hearing news all over the place, on TV, on social media, but there's only one place that you can hear good news, and that good news is the gospel, and that's here at the church. And Jesus, being the head of the church, also decided that he could have given gifts to anybody and everybody, but in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that he gave gifts to the church, apostles, preachers, teachers, prophets, and evangelists, missionaries. The gifts that Jesus decided to give was specifically to the church to help the church and to help you and to help me. That is why we believe in the importance of church. It's why we are a church. It's one of our core values in regards to regular church attendance. We have them up here, our three core values, the bench press, the coffee press, the printing press, 
that I have in front of me every Sunday. Everything that we do in this church is centered around those three core values, which are each established with verses. The bench press that we encourage you to work out your own salvation. The printing press, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. We've been talking about it, sharing the gospel message. And the coffee press, which is Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up. Stir up what? Stir up love in good works. So we should be doing at church, stirring up love among each other, stirring up good works, not forsaking the assembly of the brethren. As in the manner of some, obviously we have some empty seats. They aren't here today. Thank you, God, for bringing them. But exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We've heard, if you've grown up in church, that Jesus is coming back. But let's be honest, how many of us believe Jesus is really coming back? And he's coming back soon. From what we're seeing out there, he's coming back soon. And look, it says that you should be in church and you should be exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. The more we get closer to Jesus coming, the more we should be in church. Because that's where the good news is. That's where we can be built up. That's where we can be encouraged. So if God is doing something or he's doing anything in his church, and I'm in his church like you are today, then I'm going to show you real quick five different things that if God is doing it in this church, then he's also doing it to you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. We talked about this last week. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ, what? Also loved the church and gave himself for her. We did this last week, and hopefully you've done this since last week, but you should go ahead and do this again. You're sitting next to your spouse. Just go ahead and look over to him or her and say, you know what? I love you this morning. Baby, I love you up there. Hopefully you just didn't do it last Sunday, and this is the second time you've done it this Sunday. Hopefully you've said it between the last two weeks, but uh, make sure you tell your spouse you love them. So number one... If God is loving the church, then God is loving on me. If God is loving the church, then God is loving on me. Let's say that together. If God is loving the church, then God is loving on me. God is loving the church. It says here, husbands love your wives just like Jesus loves the church. So if God is loving on the church and I'm in the church, that means he's loving on me today says in the Old Testament, we talked about this kind of, remember at the beginning of the year, I know we're going all the way back to January, been a lot of, a lot of messages preached, but we talked about having a heart for the house. Y'all remember that series we talked about? And one of the scriptures says, and I believe it's 1 Kings, where it says God himself says that his eyes and his heart will continually be on the church. So if you ever feel unloved, if you ever feel far away from God, if you feel like God doesn't love you, then you need to not run like Adam and Eve to the bushes and be away from church. You need to get into church as quick as you can because God's eyes and his heart is on the church. And it says that Jesus, the CEO, the head of the church, loves the church. And if he's loving the church and I'm in the church, then he's loving on me and he's loving on you today. Now, we all have jobs in some capacity, and when's the last time that your CEO, the owner of the 
business, the head honcho, the top guy, came into your office, came into your room, came to your cubicle, and when he saw you, he just wrapped his hands around you and he said, you know what? I love you today. I'm so glad you came here today. I just want to love you. I've been working for a company, an office that's based out of Dallas, and I don't think we've had in seven years three different CEOs. Tells you how good the company's doing. Um, God is good. He's protected me. I haven't had one of those. I don't think I've ever met the CEO, one of the three, in the seven years that I've worked for that company. I've seen him walking around the building when I was there. He never came up to me, never shook my hand, never asked my name. Chances are if you're working in a big company or you've never met the owner CEO, much less has that CEO come up to me, hugged me on a random day and said, I'm so glad that you're here. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. But when you come to church, the CEO of all the churches over all the world shows up every Sunday and he says, I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm glad you're here. I just want to love on you today. Yesterday, me and my wife celebrated our 11th year of being married. 11 years. We made it. We did it. Thank you. 11 years. And we've had some ups and downs, just like each and every one of y'all who've been married. I mean, I'm perfect, but she's had ups and downs. I would say lightning's going to come down from heaven, but it's going to be her up there with the kids. But, <laughs> but we've had ups and downs. We've had good and bad. My wife has seen the ugliest side of me. I've seen the ugliest side of her. I've also seen the most beautiful side of her, and hopefully she's seen the most beautiful side of me. But in those 11 years, we've had some crazy, crazy things happen in our lives, good, bad, ugly. But you know what? I still love that woman. We were watching a football game last night, and we had all the kids asleep, and she came on the sofa, and we were laying there as I was trying to have self-control over my tongue as LSU was getting thoroughly slaughtered for most of the game. We came back and won, praise God, but it was an ugly game. She looked over and looked at me, and she says, you know, I still love you, and I'm still glad you're my husband. I said, yeah, I know. I love you, too. Think about the CEO of the church, how many ugly things he's seen in this church. Not in this church, but in his overall church. How many scandals, how many pastors, how many people have come and stolen money from the church and they've done dumb things and they've preached dumb things and they've turned people away and they've done all kinds of things. They've hurt people in the church. They've pushed people away from the church. Think of all of the scandals, the ugly things, the televangelists that happened in the 80s and all the crazy things that have happened throughout the beginning of the church. And yet, in all of those years, Jesus still loves the church. His heart is still on the church. And if God loves the church, then he loves me. Let's keep going. Number two, if God is speaking to the church then he's speaking to me. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 29, Jesus is saying, He who has ears, we all have ears today, I believe, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If he's speaking to the church, then he's speaking to me. 
If God is speaking to the church, then God is speaking to me. Let's say that together. If God is speaking to the church, then God's speaking to me. If God loves the church, then he loves me. If God's speaking to the church, then he's speaking to me. You might be out in the world doing whatever you're doing at your home, at your job, and you might be saying, I've never heard God's voice. I don't know what it sounds like. I hear all these other voices. I hear all these other things, and I can't clarify. I can't figure out what voice is God's. Then get to the church, because it says, he who has ears, let him hear. You can read in Revelations when he's talking to the seven churches, the things that he's saying to the churches. It's not just these little things. There's seven churches that he's talking to in Revelations, and it's all of these massive things that he's saying, and it's what he wants to say to you, and it's what he wants to say to me. If you have ears, and I believe we all have ears today, then when we come to church, we should be expecting because God wants to speak. If you're working in a job, Chances are you have an email address. Mine is jeremiah.land at preferredlease.com. Don't send me anything. I try not to answer it. But the only way that my boss, the only way that my director, the only way that the CEO can communicate with me is when I'm in the office and when I'm checking that email. That's how I get my directions, that's how I get my job, that's how I get my role, is when he starts communicating with me and talking with me. When we come to church, the CEO wants to talk to you, wants to send a direct email to you so that you can hear what he wants you to do this week, what he wants you to do this month, what he wants you to do with your life, how he wants to fix some things, how he wants to heal some things. Hey, you need to do this. Hey, you need to stop doing that. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. That word church in the original text, I always butcher the word, is ecclesia. And it means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place or an assembly. I didn't write the definition. That's the definition of what church is to God and how it was written in the New Testament. Yes, we can have home churches where people can come to your church or you can go to somebody else's house. We have those all over the place. But it's the idea of not staying at home in a room by yourself, just saying, me and God, we're going to have church by ourselves. It's okay to do that every once in a while, but that is not the goal. That is not the intent of what God had for church. It's you leaving your house you leaving your surroundings, going to a place where there's a gathering of people so that you can feel the love of God and you can feel and hear his voice. Yes, you can hear it out there, but there's something that happens corporately. When the CEO sees his people meeting, he says, hey, now it's time to do something. If he's building his church and he's working on me, we talked about this in A Heart for His House, Matthew 16, 18. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, some people have gotten this kind of out of whack, believing that Jesus was saying that he was going to build the entire church on Peter. That's the dumbest thing ever. Peter was good in, in certain ways, but Jesus is the head. He's the CEO of the church. He's the chief cornerstone. If the church is getting built on anything, it's Jesus Christ, not a person. This church has nothing to do with me, with Jeremiah Land as a person. I've got my boss, and his name is Jesus, and I'm listening to him and what he wants to do to build this church. 
If God is building his church, then God is working on me. If God is building his church, then God is working on me. Let's say that together. If God is building his church, then God is working on me. It says that he's building his church. It means his hands are actively on the church. He's moving this piece in. He's moving that piece out. He's opening up facilities here. He's moving you here. He's calling you there. He's not just moving a pastor to a church and to a community, but he's bringing people from the community to that church to also be built and to help build the church and the community. I read another article where you've heard about artificial intelligence. You've heard about alternate realities. I don't know if this is a, a word that has come across your vernacular yet, but the metaverse, have you heard of that? It's an alternate reality uh, Zuckerberg with Facebook is trying to build it. Basically, where you can go somewhere else by wearing something over your eyes to go into another reality. You've seen it where you can wear this headset and you can watch an NBA game. You can buy the tickets and you can sit on the front row by just wearing this eye thing. I don't know how to, it just goes over your face and it's got a, a screen in there and you can watch it. And it says, this article that I read, that it's believed that by 2050, people are no longer going to be having kids, but they're going to start raising kids alternate reality or AI kids in this metaverse. They say that it'll help with overpopulation. And they said for a small monthly fee, you can put on this headset and you can raise a kid. Now, I don't know if you were in my time period, but do y'all remember Tamagotchis? Tama, Tama, is that, was that the right way? Tamagotchi, is that what it was? And you've seen them on video games where you can, you can play with a puppy. There's video games where you can raise a puppy from it. Tamagotchi was you'd get this little video game, and there would be an egg on there, and you would raise this little creature on the little video game. And you'd have to feed it, and it would poop on the screen. You had to clean the poop, and it would go to sleep. And when I was like in high school, you had it like on your keychain, and, and you'd play it. And it's the same idea. They said that people don't want to have kids anymore, but they do want to have the experience of raising a kid. So they can go into this metaverse, and for a small monthly fee, if you've raised kids, you know there's no such thing as a small monthly fee, you can raise these kids. And it says, if you ever get tired of the kids, you can just turn it off. <laughs> My daughter not sleeping for three years, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to, <laughs> to sign up for turning it off. But that there's this process that we know and that we've learned in science and in the scriptures of how to make a baby and that husband and wife have a baby, and then they raise that child. And the beauty of watching your child crawl for the first time, smile for the first time. Remember the first time you touched that baby right after they were born? Remember the first time you got to hold that baby, you got to love that baby, you got to raise him, watch him walk, watch him talk? My son's seven He's played baseball, he's seen victory, he's seen defeat, he's struck out, he's had hits. To be able to expose him to things, I exposed my son to wrestling for the first time this weekend. 
WWE was on Friday night or something, and he said, Dad, what's that? I said, oh, no, son, you don't want to see this, but come in close. Let me show you. And then I went to YouTube. And I said, let me show you some of Dad's favorite wrestlers growing up. And I pulled up The Undertaker. And I pulled up Mankind. And I pulled up John Cena. And I was showing him just these different ones, Triple H, and all these different guys. And he says, Dad, do they hurt themselves when they do that? I said, son. I said, this. He said, is this fighting? I said, well, it's called entertainment fighting. I don't know how to <laughs> explain it to you. But I got to show my son something new for the first time. There is no other option on how to raise kids. It's not the real thing to go into a metaverse and coochie-coo, coochie-coo a little fake baby that you can turn off and turn on. Same is true with the church. God's hands are actively on the church. There's no other option. There's no other alternate. There's no other thing that God is doing except working and building his church. And if he's building his church, then he's building you and me. All right, let's finish this up. Number four, if he's adding to the church, then he's adding to me. If he's adding to the church, if God is adding to the church, then he's adding to me. In Acts chapter 2, right after Pentecost has happened, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the earth. The disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues, and Peter gets up, and he starts preaching this great message. And in verse 46, they get saved. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple breaking bread from house to house. They're having church. They ate their food, look, with gladness and simplicity of heart. Look at verse 27. Praising God, having favor with all the people. That sounds like a really fun church. And the Lord, it wasn't the pastor. It wasn't the community. It wasn't the leadership of the church's job to add to the church. Look, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So not only is God building the church, he's also bringing in the people to fill the church. He's building it. He's making it as good and as glorious and as great as he can be, and he's also filling it. He's adding to the church. You have come to this church, yeah, because of all of these different reasons, but because God has placed it upon your heart, and he wanted to add you to this church. You bring something to this church. You bring value to this church. You bring value to this community that we can enjoy each other, like it says, praising God and enjoying each other. If he's adding to the church, then he's adding to me. Let's say that together. If he's adding to the church, then he's adding it to me. That word added means to give more, to increase, and to proceed further. Oh, that sounds like a good addition to my life. I need God to give more. I need God to increase me, and I need God to proceed and push me further. There's certain aspects in our lives where we've gone as far as we can go. I've done everything that I could do. I've done the best that I could do. I've done everything that I can to win this, to overcome this, to do that. But Jesus wants to add to me. He wants to push me further. God came to give life and more abundantly. He's adding to the church. The last one I have. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, Jesus is speaking right after he's flipped some tables. He had a little wrestling himself, didn't he? Surprised he didn't throw anybody on those tables. And Jesus said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus said this. 
This is his heart. This is his goal. This is the purpose of the church. It will be a house of prayer. And what is prayer? Communicating with God. Having a conversation with God. That was Jesus' goal. He cleansed out the temple. Because my church, what I know I'm going to build, it will be a house of prayer. You might try and make it something else. You might try and change it. You might try and do this and that. And we've seen many of churches falter and fail, close their doors, fall by the wayside. Pastors struggle with stuff. Because it's not focused around this. God's desire for the church is to be a house of prayer. We meet every first Monday of the month, which we'll be doing tomorrow, from 6 to 8, and we pray. 6 to 7, some change. And we pray over the month, and we pray over what God is doing, and we pray over you. We pray over the seats. We pray when we're here on Sunday. We make it a priority. We should probably make it more of a priority, if I'm being honest, to make this a house of prayer. God's desire to open it up so that you can pray and you can have an encounter with God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, Paul is writing, he says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and further also risen, the glorious gospel, who is even at the right hand of the God right now, look at this, who also makes intercession for who? For us. The last one, if he's praying for the church, then he's praying for me. He's praying for the church, then he's praying for me. Let's say that together. If he's praying for the church, then he's praying for me. When I'm in the church, I know that God is praying. He wants it to be a house of prayer. Now, we all can point our finger to the most spiritual person we know. We all have that grandma. We all have that uncle. We, all, we have that friend who prays all the time. And we know if I call that person and ask them to pray, God will hear it and God will answer. A lot of reasons, a lot of things, a lot of the reason why you're in church today is because you had grandma praying for you. You had mom and dad praying for you. The reason that you're still alive, the reason that you're still sitting where you're sitting is because you had a spouse, you had a grandparent, you had a pastor, you had somebody praying for you. But you know who prays even better than that person? I'm pretty sure Jesus knows how to pray a pretty good prayer. If I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm pretty sure out of anybody who knows how to pray, Jesus can pray a pretty good prayer for me and for you. If you're feeling, feeling tired, you're feeling weary, you're feeling worn out, then you need to be in the house of God. My last scripture, and I'm finishing with this, is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. We've heard this scripture before. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now that phrase in Hebrew, those who wait, means to bind together. It means to expect. It means to patiently look, what we think waiting looks like. But the last definition is what I really love. The last definition in Hebrew for those who wait also means to gather together. Those who gather together with the Lord 
like you are right now, when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're worn out, when you don't feel good, when you've been sinning the whole week and all weekend and you don't want to come to church and you're ashamed and you're hiding like Adam and Eve, it says in Isaiah that those who wait on the Lord, that those who gather together with the Lord shall renew their strength. So you being in church today, this is what's happening to you right now. You're receiving the strength of the Lord. You'll mount up with wings like eagles. You're struggling with something today, and you say, I can't overcome it. I can't figure it out. I can't get there. Well, God wants to give you some wings and come over that situation and see that God is good. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk, and you won't faint. I'm going to walk into Monday not fainting like I have in the past because I came to church today. Going back to the basics, why do we have church? What's the importance of church? Because if God is loving the church, then he's loving me. If God's speaking to the church, then he's speaking to me today. If God's building this church, then guess what? He's working on you and me today. If he's adding to the church, then he's adding to me. He's increasing me. He's pushing me further. And if he's praying for the church, praise God, he's praying for me today. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your church. I thank you for your church. I thank you that we are in a country that is free. That we have freedom of religion. That God, press church, has windows wide open. So people, we are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not hiding from anybody. We are showing them that we love and we trust our God. And we believe him. And we worship him. We worship him freely with no fear in our hearts that the cops are going to show up and arrest us all, that we're going to get thrown in jail for reading the Bible. We're not hiding the Bible. We're not trying to do, no, no, no. We can worship you freely in your church. And Father, each and every person here has something going on in their lives. They're struggling. They're questioning. They're dealing with unbelief. They're, they're, they're trying to figure out the next steps in their lives. And Father, they're here in church today. Father, I thank you that you're loving on them. Father, I thank you that you're speaking to them right now. Holy Spirit, it says that you're going to lead us and guide us into all truth. Father, I thank you that you're adding to them. You're working on them. You're benefiting them. Where they are right now is not where they're going to be next Sunday. Where they are this month is not where they're going to be next month. Where they are this year is definitely not where they're going to be next year. Because as they're in church, you're adding and increasing them. And they can look back and say, look what the Lord has done. And Father, I thank you that you're praying over us today. You're interceding for us today. That you know what's on Monday morning's slate and you're already praying for us. You're already dispatching angels. You're already moving things to work in our good today. You're already praying for us because we're here today. Father, there are people that are weary, that are tired, that are struggling, and they gather together. They're waiting on the Lord by coming to church today. And Father, I thank you that you're renewing their strength. You're building them up. You're healing them. You're restoring them. And they're leaving better than when they came here this morning, when they walked in. You have filled them up. Because it says in your scriptures, we are blessed and we get the opportunity to be a blessing. Father, I thank you 
And I pray scripture over them that they have the mind of Christ. Their body is the temple of the Most High God. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. He that the Son sets free right now, they are free indeed. Father, I thank you that they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. Everything they put their hands to must prosper. The favor of God surrounds them like a shield. They have favor with God and they have favor with man. Father, I thank you that you sent your word into their lives and you healed them and removed all destruction from them. Though a thousand may fall at their side, and 10,000 at their right hand. No evil shall befall them in their household in the name of Jesus. We choose today to serve you. Father, use us this week to go out and share this glorious gospel. We chose today to build ourselves up. We chose today to come to church, not forsake the assembling of our brothers. And this week we decide to go out and share this gospel message. Now, Father, protect them, bless them, and cause them to prosper in everything they do and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Men, we'll see you Saturday. Come out, talk to Alyssa about Saturday night, and we'll see you next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.